Welcome to Halt the Harm podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clover. Today we're talking about shale and public health. So we've got two guests today on the show. Heather Haar, who's the project director for the League of Women Voters in Pennsylvania's Straight Scoop on Shale Drilling, and Sarah Rasmussen, who published new research showing a clear connection between fracking and asthma. So first, Heather Haar is going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Shale and Public Health Conference, but she also shares some valuable resources about the public health impacts of fracking, resources that you can use for your campaigns, even if you miss this conference. And secondly, Sarah Rasmussen joins us from Baltimore, Maryland, where she's a PhD candidate in the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, Department of Environmental Health and Engineering. Wow, that's a mouthful. And to be honest, I learned a lot in this interview because I don't have a research background. So it was really interesting to hear how Sarah conducted research connecting the impacts of fracking with asthma. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's get started with our first guest, Heather Haar. And we've got Heather Haar joining us from Pennsylvania. Heather, how are you doing? I'm doing well today, thank you. We have some big news in Pennsylvania. So uh, the uh, it's just reported in today's paper that the Pennsylvania Medical Society, which is, I believe, the largest medical or you know organization in the state um the that they just voted at their conference they're calling for a state ban on new drilling and hydraulic fracturing they're calling not a ban actually they're calling for a moratorium the headline says ban but it's a moratorium on any new shale gas drilling and hydraulic fracturing and they're urging the state to establish an independent health registry and start studying the public health impacts of fracking. Oh. And this is according to an article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette this morning. It seems like great timing for that article with the conference coming up in just a few weeks. I know. It's pretty It's pretty amazing. It's not something that um, I, I was expecting. <laughs> so that's that's. that's the timing is very coincidental. What do you but, think motivated the Pennsylvania Medical Society to take such a strong stance on fracking? They say in the article, I don't really know that much of the backstory on this, but they say in the article that uh, they had, that a similar resolution was rejected three years ago, but um, this is a quick a quote from them, growing evidence has shown its increasing deleterious effects outweighs any economic benefits. You know, I guess the fact that there's been more evidence, there's been more studies of um, the impacts of fracking, and there really wasn't that much studied before, even when, I mean, the industry talks about it being around for 60 or 65 years in terms of you know, vertical and other types of fracking, but um, it wasn't really studied before, and it's sort of with the advent of the new kind of high-volume, you know, slick water hydraulic fracturing that the research studies started, but most of them really have only taken place in the past two years. So I think there wasn't really any evidence before 
And there is evidence now. Now, it's very hard to prove cause and effect um, in any kind of situation like this where you have multiple factors. It's in the living environment, so it's hard to say what causes what. But if you get more evidence, different types of studies and large studies and better methodology, and they kind of corroborate each other over time, it, it gives more validity to um, the, the impact, you know, that there is some kind of impact. Yeah, and the evidence is exactly what you're talking about at the upcoming conference and what our second guest in today's show talks about. And at the conference that we're doing, the Shalem Public Health Conference, we'll be distributing uh, the 2016 update of the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania's Shale Gas Extraction and Public Health Resource Guide. We've been doing these for a couple months, a couple years now, and it's like a 60-page um, review of research on different aspects of related to health and shale gas development. Yeah, it's interesting. But I guess you, yeah, it's sorry. interesting because there's there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of documentation from a lot of different angles showing the risks and the impacts and harms of shale gas extraction, fracking, the entire industry, uh, transportation, production, uh, everything, and uh, and so then having all this this really hard data about public health threats seems like it really. Yeah, it's just, it's another tool for communities to protect themselves because you can see exactly how it is impacting the public health. And uh like you said it's very it's it's very thorough. I mean, as you'll hear later in this episode, you know, what the uh, Sarah's interview, you know, she explains how they did the research and it's very unbiased. You know, I'm I sort of come from kind of an activist organizing perspective. And so I'm asking her things like, you know, how can this be used, you know, for people to protect their communities? And she's, she's like, well, uh, I'm not really an activist, but this is really interesting data. <laughs> so, oh yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, you know, I th I think, you know, and, and one way it's, it's like, it's really good that there are different kinds of people looking at these issues because someone like her who can really look at it in this very, unbiased way, you know, who sees, you know, hey, there has not been a study yet about the public health impacts, you know, specifically the, the association of asthma and fracking. Um, I'm going right. to do that because it has not been done yet and it needs to happen. You know, she's not approaching it with, you know, I'm going to, you know, catch the industry red handed and expose them. You know, she's doing it because no. she, she's a researcher and, and she finds that interesting. And Right. So, I mean, one of the reasons why we do this is to, we hold the Shale and Public Health Conference. And so we've been, this is going to be the fourth annual conference that we're doing. And we, uh, the League of Women Voters, for the past three years, we've held it, um, that it's hosted by the University of Pittsburgh Graduate School of Public Health. And it's at the University Club here. Um, it is a free conference, except it's $14 if you want a buffet lunch. And people can register for it at shalepalwv.org. 
shalepalwv.org or by calling 1-800-61-SHALE, 1-800-61-SHALE. So we hold this conference, and it's really, there are a few different audiences that um, we're reaching out to and that people come from. Um, and one is the activist community. We have a lot of citizens, some are uh, environmental organization leaders or just individual citizens who are very interested in this issue. And they come, they, they get a lot out of it. I mean, we have like a repeat, you know, repeat fans who come every year because they get to see the actual researchers presenting, you know, in an unbiased manner, their, their research. And, you know, people value the League of Women Voters for that because, you know, we, we do grassroots study and we um, look at facts and um, we, you know, we do present different sides of information. So people, you know, have come to respect the League for that. And we're joining with an academic institution. So the academic standards of research are, are there as well. So we um, then we also want to reach out to the professionals. So the conference is certified um, by the Mid-Atlantic Public Health Training Center to offer credits for nurses and social workers and public health professionals for attending, um, and also um, by the... uh, for physicians with what they call AMA, PRA, Category 1 credits. And so people can get those, you know, if they, um, you know, register to do that. So so we want to, and we want to reach physicians. We have, as part of it, a special workshop for physicians about addressing shale health issues in one's practice because, Um, I have worked in public health, and so it's not like a given that, you know, physicians know everything about every public health issue, you know, issue automatically. And, you know, fracking is relatively new, so a lot of people, this wasn't on the docket when they were in medical school. So it's an opportunity to learn about something where patients may be coming in and, you know, reporting you know, skin rashes or certain kind of symptoms that have been linked, you know, that tend to be found in different studies they've found in association with exposure to the chemicals from natural gas, unconventional natural gas drilling. And this way they learn how to spot them and talk about scenarios in terms of how to diagnose and um, you know, how to handle this. So, because otherwise they might miss it and, you know, not really know what it's due to, you know, someone has strange rashes or nosebleeds or, you know, a lot of these symptoms can be caused by different types of things, but you can see sort of, yeah. Yeah. In order to help people, you have to understand where these things are coming from and what the, the different factors are. You have to be able to to, yeah. Right, right. Heather, how did so, you... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. Oh, 
Um, also, we're going to have a we have exhibit tables, and we're going to have this year. We're very excited to have some photos from the Marcellus Shale documentary project be on display at the conference. So, it's a photography professional photographers taking um, photos of various aspects of shale gas drilling and the towns that it's you know and the people that are living you know, with it. So how did, how did you, how did you get involved with public health and when was it clear to you that this was an important topic to tackle? I mean, you're involved with the project. This is a project, this conference is a project of the League of Women Voters. And so I imagine you tackle a variety of issues, right? And so, you know, why focusing specifically on shale and public health? Um, so the, the, well, the league, uh, in 2008, one of our league members, Mary Beth Sweeney, she in, is in the Indiana League of Pennsylvania, or she was at the time. And, um, so she got that league back in 2008 to start studying the impact of, of shale gas fracking. And so they put together a study guide of, um, this is what League does. We study different issues and then collect different information, put together study guides, and then that's shared across the this, this state and people learn about it and, um, you know, vote on different consensus statements. And so uh, they started developing this material. And um, then um, one of our... Uh, leaders and the state leaders at the league applied for a, a grant from the Colcom Foundation um, for shale, and I was tapped to manage this project because I had managed some other league projects. And I actually, and then in doing this, I'm not like a super technical equipment person, but um, I mean, some of the things have to do with you know seismicity or or aspects of shale not related to public health in particular, but having worked some in public health myself, um, uh, this I thought, well, this sh- should be part of what we look at. Uh-huh. And so that's how we launched this. And we, um, I, we had a committee, we have a committee, um, the volunteers, some of whom have medical backgrounds, and we just started doing the research ourselves. And we put together a presentation that we delivered in libraries at different towns across western Pennsylvania. And then um, four years ago, we started doing these conferences, so um, where we have like a whole day um, or more of uh, you know, the research and presented by the experts rather than the league members. So that's, that's really, you know, how we do it. And, um, it really has gotten a lot of interest. I mean, it just, you know, between this and the study guide, we get to reach a lot of people. So they learn more about it. We get in the weeds some, you know, league is not kind of a, a superficial surface glance at things, but I guess it's something in this day and age that, you know, looking at something in depth is valuable. Can you tell us more about the study guide? Is is this something that 
local organizers can use? Uh, yes. Well, so it's available on our website, at, which is shalepalwv.org. Um, and right now, if people go there, it's if you look under the conference from 2015, you can click on a copy of the uh, 2015 resource guide. And then, you know, in a couple, a month or so, we'll have the 2016 one up. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, it's a review of the research. And what we've found is that people will take this and they want to distribute it to their friends. They want to distribute it. They, they give it to, you know, members of different, uh, you know, zoning boards or whatever so that they can have some education about the background of, you know, what's take the time to read and find out what actually are some of the effects, you know, read themselves and they can look at the research and make their own judgment. Right. So, so we, if we you're, do find, yeah. If you're going to a zoning board, like you mentioned, or talking to any other decision makers and you're bringing your case, if you're saying, you know, I don't want fracking in my community or I want, I don't want any more fracking if it already exists and you, and you're wanting to uh, stop it from continuing to grow or other types of projects, infrastructure projects like pipelines or compressor stations, like this resource guide, I'm looking at it right now. It's extremely comprehensive. I mean, it's a, it's a big packet of research and information that is all uh, very professional, very, you know, yeah, very comprehensive. It's Oh, thank you. It allows yeah, you to it allows you to back up your your perspective. You know, it's like we learn about we learn about these things, we learn about the harms of fracking and it's it's sometimes right. it's not enough to just go and have an opinion. You have to go and and bring something to back it up. And thankfully, you've done this work. You've compiled this stuff for us. It's here. It's it's all available. Yeah, well, thanks. Shale, P-A-L-W-V dot org. Right. I'm going to have it in the show notes for the episode as well. So uh, folks can just um, find it there and, and download it. Thanks. Totally. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Any other tools or resources you want to share with our listeners? Well, I, I guess on the website, there are some other things that people can look at that don't necessarily have to do with public health per se, but um, for example, uh, last night we did a, um, or sorry, two nights ago, we did um, a forum on shale waste disposal, and we had, uh, you know, in league style, we had, um, you know, four different people with different perspectives on this issue talking about shale waste. So we had Nadja Steinzor from Earthworks. Um, she's the author of Wasting Away and looking at legislation in four states, um, talking about you know waste disposal legislation. The, the, um, the focus was modernizing policy. And um, we had um, Bill Hughes, from Wetzel County, West Virginia, who is a citizen activist, but actually has also served as the chair of the Wetzel County 
uh, solid waste authority in the past, so he has that perspective as well. And then we have have two people who work in the waste disposal industry, um, one really more doing remediation and, and managing landfills and radioactive, having to deal with radioactive shipments that arrive there, um, and the other who works in with uh, shale gas operators, um, you know, making sure, helping them comply with current waste disposal regulations. So that's, you know, very informative. And um, so on our website, there's a link to a video of the two hours of presentation um, and question and answer from that session. And there are other materials as well. And we had a, um, a Thrive Symposium earlier this year looking at uh, different, you know, sort of sustainable approaches to development, um, economic development, and a bunch of presentations at that. People can listen to the audio of those presentations on our website. So there are a lot of different resources. Yeah, this is a great resource. Yeah, and, you know, people can always contact us through our website or email to shalemarcella at gmail.com, um, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, people can get in touch with their questions, and, you know, we like interacting with people and people from different states. I'm not sure, you know, with people all over uh, listen to you from different states across the U.S. Is that the case? Yeah, definitely. Great. And it seems Great. like a lot of this material is relevant everywhere because it's, yeah, it, I, I, the impacts are, are very similar. Great. Great. Thanks so much, Heather Har, for joining me on uh, on the podcast. Great. Well, thanks so much, Ryan. You take care. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Okay. Well, that's the end of the first part of today's program. Um, just the first part, so stay tuned. There's more to come. Um, everything that Heather mentioned is going to be available in the show notes. Um, that resource guide that she talked about, a link to the Shale and Public Health Conference. And big thanks to everyone at the Pennsylvania League of Women Voters for supporting that work and and making all that possible. All right, now let's move on to the second part of the show where I'm joined by Sarah Rasmussen. So she's a PhD candidate in the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health Department of Environmental Health and Engineering. And to be totally honest, it was a little challenging for me to, to interview her because I'm not a researcher. And so even words like epidemiology, uh, I didn't know that word. I had to ask her what it meant, which was kind of embarrassing considering that it's basically an entire branch of medicine. So I'm sure that you know what epidemiology is, but just in case you don't, it's the branch of medicine that deals with incidence, distribution, and possible control of diseases and other factors relating to health. I actually looked that up on the internet. But anyway, uh, in this conversation, Sarah talks about the research that she did that found an association between fracking and asthma. And uh, she's actually giving a presentation at the upcoming Shale and Public Health Conference. So if you're interested in how she did the research and how she 
found these results, then you're going to love this part um, with Sarah Rasmussen. All right, let's get into it. Sarah, welcome to Halt the Harm podcast. Thank you. So I told every, I've already told everybody a little bit about your credentials and what you're doing, but can you help fill in some gaps? Uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Sure. So um, I'm getting my PhD um, in environmental health at Johns Hopkins. And for this, I um, have my master's um, from the same department, um, also environmental health at Johns Hopkins. Um, but um, I actually grew up in Georgia. Oh, cool. What brought you, what, you know, how did you first get interested in this path? I mean, you're clearly committed. You're going all the way to the PhD level. When did you, when did you realize that public health was a passion of yours? In undergrad, I learned that I just really loved like academic research. Um, And there's a lot of, and also like environmental sciences. And there's like a lot of opportunities for academic research, um, in public health and then environmental health was kind of like a natural fit given my interest in environmental science. Um, So what I work on is environmental epidemiology. So we're looking for um, like factors, um, environmental factors that are associated with disease outcomes. And we conduct studies to look at these factors. Can you share a study that you're excited about that you've been working on lately? Yeah, so one, um, I worked on four studies of unconventional natural gas development and um, uh, health or environmental outcomes. Um, and the one that uh, I, the study that I led was on unconventional natural gas development and asthma exacerbation. And this was recently published um, over the summer, um, looking at uh, the association of unconventional natural gas development or fracking. Um, and then uh, looking at patients who had asthma and their asthma exacerbations. Uh, so we found that uh, patients who live closer to more or bigger unconventional natural gas wells have um, a higher risk of three types of asthma exacerbations that we looked at. We looked at um, asthma hospitalizations, asthma emergency department visits, and oral corticosteroid medication orders, which is a medication that's used for asthma exacerbations. So by gathering up all that data of the hospital, hospitalizations and emergencies and um, medication, you're able to see the, the pattern, right? You're able to see how it correlates with fracking. And what, what's the significance of this study? Has anything like it been done before? Yeah, so uh, there's only really like a handful of epidemiology studies on unconventional natural gas development. So it's one of the, I mean, there's really, there's still maybe only like five or six published epidemiology studies. Um, And so this is the first one on asthma exacerbations um, and unconventional natural gas development. So I think that's part of the value. Um, I think one of the tricky parts about our study is that um, I don't, know that it didn't necessarily directly informs like a policy decision. Um, but I think it's, um, like an important starting point for, um, epidemiology studies of unconventional natural gas development. And what kind of data did you use in the study? Like where did you get it from? Yeah. So we actually used electronic health record data from the Geisinger health system. Um, so we used a patient, we identified, um, 35, about 35,000 patients with asthma in the Geisinger health system. 
And then we identified asthma exacerbations among those patients um, in their electronic health records. So this does do right. This has the benefit of um, we're not relying on patients to remember or self-report their asthma exacerbations, um, which is good because for asthma exacerbations, those tend to be well captured in electronic health records because if someone has a, like a bad asthma attack, they'll go to the doctor. Um, so it's recorded in their health record. But for other um, health outcomes, it's the electronic health record um, isn't as good. So I also worked on a study of um, that Aaron Tustin um, led, who's also at Johns Hopkins, um, on unconventional natural gas development, uh, nasal and sinus, migraine headache, and fatigue symptoms. And for that study, he used a questionnaire where people self-reported their symptoms. But that's because those symptoms um, might not be as well captured in electronic health records. So you could imagine mm -hmm. that someone could... Um, might have fatigue or headaches, but they might not necessarily go to their doctor for it. So you mentioned a couple studies and uh, this most recent one about the association of asthma and fracking. What do you hope will be the, the results of this study getting public? Um, so, I mean, I think the studies are interesting because it's a topic that hasn't been studied before. Um, and all three of these outcomes have I mean, they have, they're important for public health. Um, you know, they're important health outcomes. They're common. Um, yeah, so I think that that's part of their value. So forgive my, my ignorance here. I just I don't have any kind of background in, in the type of research that you're doing. So I'm following so far your process of collecting data, but could you explain to me what you mean by choosing outcomes? I'm just a little bit confused about what that means um, from a scientific perspective. Yeah, so for instance, the way um, these studies work is we get health record data from the electronic health record at Geisinger. Um, and then, I so in my case, we chose asthma as a potential outcome to study because we thought asthma, is, um, asthma exacerbations can be affected both by stress and by air pollution. So... And since we think that um, this unconventional natural gas development could contribute to both stress and air pollution, um, we thought that outcome asthma exacerbations would be a good outcome to study in relation to unconventional um, natural gas development. I get it. I yeah, get it. So it's like it. it's yeah. like a hypothesis. Well, we, like you exactly. Yeah. Right. So it, it like makes sense, and then you. But then you're saying like we have to we have to study this. We have to prove you know, whether or not this is true. And if it's, yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, so yeah, so part of the hypothesis generating is you want to pick something where it's plausible to affect, um, okay. that the exposure could affect the outcome. Um, it makes sense, right? Um, so that's why we chose to study asthma exacerbation. So then what we do is from, we have the electronic health record data, um, Geisinger has like maybe 500,000 or so um, uh, uh, patients. So from those 500,000, what we did is we identified all the patients who had asthma. Um, so that narrowed it down to more like 35,000. And then among those 35,000, what we did is we compared patients who had asthma but no asthma exacerbations to patients who had asthma but, and did have asthma exacerbations. And then among those two groups, we compared um, our unconventional natural gas 
metric. So that's what I was talking about. That's based on like how close people live to unconventional natural gas wells, the size of the wells, um, the dates of the wells development, things like that. Hmm. And so that's how we like design the study. And then um, we get like a measure. We can see if that um, is like statistically associated. And then do you represent that your findings in like a visual way, like on a map or, you know, you know how do you present those findings? Uh, yeah, so we calculate what's called an odds ratio. Um, so that's like a measure of effect between the exposure and the outcome. Okay. But we also have a map in the paper. I'm happy to send you the paper. There's also a map where um, we mapped out the locations of the patients and the wells. I'd love to see the map, and I think that's something that we could in- include in our show notes that would, uh, people would love to see, along with the link, of course, to your paper. Yeah, I'm happy. I'll send you that right now, the the link to the paper. Thanks. Yeah, so in each of the papers, I think we have a map that shows the location of patients and then the location of wells to show that there's overlap, because in the study, you want... Um, people who live near wells, but you also want people who live farther away so that you have like a gradient of, um, right. Yeah. So that, yeah. Cause you need people who both have high unconventional natural gas development and also low unconventional natural gas development. Mm -hmm. And we do that both over space. So they live far away and we do that also over time because, uh, someone could live far away in 2005, but then live very close in 2012 just because of the, the way development proceeded. So you're considering a lot of factors in the study. You're not just taking like, oh, like this is a group of people with asthma and this is where they live and where drilling is happening. You're actually looking at this whole range, like you said, a gradient of factors. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's great. Yeah. Are there any other resources that you'd like to share to anyone that's interested in this kind of research? Um, Yeah, so uh, something else that... uh, we've used that we've worked closely with is a group called um, Sky Truth. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're um, in West Virginia and they use remote sensing and uh, kind of like mapping to help. um, And they do this for a wide range of issues, but they also work on unconventional natural gas development. So we've been able to work with them to um, look at like the locations of well pads and things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, all of their data sets are online as well. So they could be, um, yeah, I can send you that link as well. Great, great. Thanks so much, Sarah, for, for breaking this all down to me and, uh, and being so detailed. I really do appreciate it. All right, great. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. All right, and that wraps up another episode of Halt the Harm podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed those interviews with Sarah Rasmussen and Heather Haar. Again, you can check out the Shale and Public Health Conference. It's linked in our show notes, along with other resources that were mentioned by our guests. And finally, check out healttheharm.net. And if you're involved with community organizing, or if you want to get more involved, and you want to be part of a network that shares services and resources and connects with each other and supports each other, then Halt the Harm Network is perfect for you. And you can find out more information and you can sign up at haltheharm.net. See you next time.